now live and on lockdown. Are you ready? Broadcasting from Edinburgh, Scotland and across the globe. Listen here. You're listening to Ramsey Unleashed, going beyond borders podcast on Hearts on Live Radio with your host, Fraser Ramsey. Hi, this is Afia Letha from KingdomBeats.com. Proud to be a sponsor of Ramsey Unleashed going beyond borders on heartsonglive.co.uk. Ah, happy new year to everybody. It's uh, Ramsey Unleashed going beyond borders. It's your host, Razor Ramsey, 2019, ready to kick off. And welcome. Good day, good evening, good morning, wherever you are in the world. Happy Saturday. We're first show of the year and we've got a great guest. Um, and as I say, if you've enjoyed your festivities you enjoyed your christmas and you're maybe being in all the good more chocolate that you can handle and you're looking at your stomach and your waist and you're thinking hmm i need to shift a few pounds and you're thinking it's time to get to the gym not just for the gym for january like everyone else does is to stick to the gym and stick to your health eating plan as you plan to go forward so you can get into that uh, beach wear when you go on holiday for your next trip away Whatever that may be. As I say, welcome. Happy 2019. Happy New Year to everybody, wherever you are. And um, yes, we are about to interview my guest, which is Dr. William Flip Clay from Washington, D.C. Uh, and while the, uh, just to not to be any politics, while the government is being a bit constipated at the moment, uh, his book is The Diary of a Constip- Emotionally Constipated Man. And uh, they've literally, they're shut every, shutting everything down. So, um, unfortunately, that's the, the fun part of politics. But we're not, we're not about politics, we're about emotionally constipated men. So, um, yes, it's not what you think it is. It's not quite the obvious, but he does have a gimmick of a toilet. But we'll hear more from him. We have a couple of new tunes. We have a guy called Sean Muir. And we have another of our trustiest artists, Benita Charles. She's getting popular. She's from New York. We have a song from her. Have, uh, so it's good we have a couple of tunes to break up the show. So, as I say, let's not waste any more time. Let's welcome Dr. William Flipkley. How's it going? Hey, friends. What's going on, buddy? All good, all good. So how's your day been? Tell us how's, th- how's your sort of day. What, are you preparing to get back to the full swing of work? Yeah, um, today's been a good day. Last week was pretty good. Um, happy New Year to, to you and the um, to the family, to the, to the listening family. Um, I have no complaints. I mean, every day I wake up, you know, if I'm living and I'm breathing, I feel like um, I'm on top of the world. That's if I'm breathing, I'm achieving. As <laughs> <two> dog. <laughs> that was a bonus. That is good. So let's uh, let's dive in. Tell us, um, who, Dr. William Flip Clay, where are you from? Tell us your growing up time. Just tell us a bit about you, your background, and then we'll just go with the flow. Enjoy. Tell us what's going on. So, um, I grew up 30 minutes south of Richmond, Virginia, in a little small town called Hopewell, Virginia. Um, completed high school. After graduating from high school, um, worked for a couple of years, and I realized there was more to life than just working a job. Mm-hmm. So I decided to leave home and go all the way to West Virginia. So I left um, Virginia. And I went all the way to Charleston, West Virginia, and attended Charleston Job Corps. Mm-hmm. And I stayed in Job Corps for three years, ended up going to college in West Virginia. Um, returning back home, I ended up going to West Virginia State University and Institute of West Virginia. Graduated from there, 
transferred to Virginia State University, did my undergraduate degree and my mm. grad degree, and then I completed my doctoral degree from Argosa University the School of American Professional Psychology in Washington, D.C. Um, so, and you know, I grew up, of course, I grew up like a reg- you know, regular child. Grew up with my mother and my father. My father and mother divorced mm. when I was, uh, I think they divorced at the, about the age of nine. They separated. Um, so, my that's pretty much a foundation for my beginning. Um, there's a lot more to it. But we'll just go more in detail, but that's a a basic foundation of, of where mm. I'm from, where I went to school, things of that nature. Was it quite difficult? I mean, being age of nine and your parents separating, was it quite difficult for you at the time, or was it how? I mean, it's not yes, easy. Yes, I would or- say um, yes because I was so used to. Um, growing up, I lived in a neighborhood. Um, you know, my my father was working a job. He was doing quite well. We lived in a large house, four bedrooms, two baths, full basement. I had a playroom and a bedroom. Cool. Uh, so when my parents separated, when my mother, when I was nine, you know, I went from a neighborhood to living in the hood. Ooh, wow. So, yeah, I went from a big house to a three bedroom apartment with roaches. Right. Oh so, my goodness. That and then you know you're dealing with the divorce, and you know, so it yeah it was a whole lot. It was um it wasn't comfortable. I would say. So what was it like living in the hood compared to where you were? Um, challenges, etc. I guess the challenging part were to be honest with you were, were living with roaches. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was the most challenging aspect, you know, roaches in your um, refrigerator, roaches in your bedroom, roaches in your bathroom. You cut the lights on, you have roaches. Right. Um, I recall, And I talk about it in my book. I remember one day um, opening up a Pepsi. Right. And drinking the Pepsi, putting it in the refrigerator um, after I finished drinking. Right. And I woke up the next morning. I went straight to the refrigerator to drink the, the, the Pepsi. Right. And when I... S- Put when I started drinking, I felt something in my mouth. Right. Um, and it was a roach. Ew. And I spit the roach out, and I remember stepping on it. Um, so I think that was probably the most, the hardest part was dealing with the uh, critters, the roaches. And then my mom became sick at the same time during that same time period when we when she found if I decided to leave my father. Right. She was diagnosed with carposis sarcoma skin cancer. Oh my goodness. Did she recover, or was she did that? No, no. She, my mother passed when I was thirteen. Wow! Oh my goodness, that might have been easy. So, what happened with yourself after that? Yeah, that's so. When you when you read my book, um, the the constipated man version of the book represents my life story from birth um, up to now. Right. The diary represents case studies of individuals I've helped. Through molestation, incest, rape, fatherlessness, um, talks about hope, love, forgiveness. So you're actually hearing case. You're actually reading real life case studies, mm-hmm. and then you're actually re- reading my whole life story. Right. Um, of everything I went through, from my mom and dad fighting before the divorce to the abuse she had to suffer to the abuse I had to suffer, um, taking care of her from the age of nine to thirteen. Um, going to school during the day, taking care of her at night, 
um, watching her disintegrate. So this is what you read in the book. And then you read how that impacted me helping individuals deal with their constipation, what I call their emotional constipation. So what abuse did you go through? Who were you abused by? Um, I would say my father was physically abusive. I mean, we, they call it beatings, but his beatings were beyond, um, beatings. They were abuse. Okay. So it wasn't like I was constantly abused, but I'm just saying his beatings to me was abuse because he took it to another level because he abused my mom. So, you know, some of that anger and aggression was taken out on me also. Right. But I wasn't abused like you would think where I was marks on my face and things of that degree, things of that nature. But the beatings were, to me, was was a degree of abuse. To what would you do or not do that would cause to get a beating? Well, anything that my father didn't agree with caused the beatings. Right. So, you know, it was it, 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 some sometimes I, I can recall several times I would I was scared to say anything I, I was scared to say anything because I knew what the outcome would be right so it was best just to be silent and be quiet and stay in your room and don't say anything hmm. to save from the obedience okay so tell us regarding the after your mother passing in what where did you stay with your dad or where did you go no, I live. Um, after my mother passed, um, my my grandmother um raised me. Okay. My mother's mother um pretty much raised me. Um, I was still constipated, what I call it, mm-hmm. from my mother dying, um, the abuse of my father, and then my father not being present mm-hmm. during the time period my mom was sick. You know, the whole time she was in the hospital, um, he never came to see her one time. Right, never okay. came to check on her. Um, and then pretty much, so my grandmother, you know, I decided I'm going to live with my grandmother. And he did the same thing to me growing up. So um, when I was staying with my grandmother, I might have seen him twice, three, three, two or three times. Right. So it was um, traumatizing. It took me about three years after my mom died to say, well, to the point where I just said, F my father. Okay. You know, forget my father. I can't say what I want to say, but that's how I felt. <laughs> I know you mean. Yeah. You know, it was just, you know, it was a constant lying. I'm going to pick you up. Never pick me up. I would talk to him on Thursday evening. He said he's going to pick me up on Friday. And I'm sitting in front of the, on the porch waiting for him to pick me up. He never picked me up. Right. So it, it was two years of that to the point where I just said, you know what? No more. F you. Yeah. And um, so... You know, I talk I talk a little more in depth about it in chapter I think chapter four of my book, Man Down, Father Gone. Okay. So uh, but my father and I did make up. Um and I talk about it in the book. We you know, he died five years ago and we did have a better relationship. Okay. And uh, he did apologize, but he didn't say I was sorry. Right, um, just okay. but he, he said it the way that helped made him feel at ease. So I was willing to accept that. Okay. That's good. So you, you're living. You're living with your grand, your granny, and you've gone through school. You've grown up. You've now become a doctor. Um, next stage from there. Um, yeah, I I went to after I completed um 
after I completed graduate school, I worked for a couple of years, and um, I just you know I was I was work, I've been working as a school counselor for the last seventeen to eighteen years. Um, in about two thousand ten, mm-hmm. I decided to start speaking all around the country. Um, I really started in two thousand four, but then in two thousand six, I went back to school. So from like five years, I kind of didn't have the time to really focus in on my speaking business. Right. So I took a break for five years because I was in school and working. When um, did, then, after, then after I finished school, I took about a year break because I was just so tired. Yeah. And I decided to write my first book. And then two years later, I said, you know what? It's time to write my second book. And I wanted to write my book from my personal experience growing up, but also from my professional experience. Okay. And that's how I came up with the title of the book, um, the concept of the toilet, um, you know, and and innovative ways of helping people to to deal with emotions and and how emotions impact and and Mm -hmm. how emotions affect us. Uh, well, let's before we go too far ahead of ourselves because we're going to talk about that more. When did you move? Did okay. you were you still living with your grand for up until a period? When did you leave? Did you get your own place or? Yeah, I stayed with my grandmother for approximately um, I would say about twelve years, and I you know she told me to save my money up. So eventually, I saved my money up and I left um, Virginia and I moved to Washington D.C. Okay. Um, and I've been in Washington, D.C. since the year 2000. So this will be my 19th year in Washington, D.C. And when you um, got to Washington, you always got your own place. You're starting afresh. I started with, I, when I first moved to Washington, I lived with my uncle. Okay. For about a year. Um, I stayed in his basement. After living in his basement for a year, I said I wanted to have my own. So I moved to um, an apartment. And, and then I decided to buy me a house. And that's when I moved to Prince George's County, Maryland. And I purchased my home. And I've been in my house since 2000. Sweet. So it's been an interesting journey. That's good. So before we go to the next stage, I'm going to play a tune. We'll come back and we'll talk a bit more about your... Obviously, you've been doing counselling and you you started your first book. Uh, but this is the, obviously they want to the impact of your book, which is obviously unconstipating you. And so when you hear about that, what the process of you when you started to unravel the stuff that was going on in your life and bring it up to the surface, and obviously so you can feel free. So we'll talk about that. But we'll come back with a tune from Sean Muir, artist I was recently connected with. He's in the UK. So and this is uh, why we are here. So. Crumbs helps if I can click my mouse. Sorted out. (laughs) Fingers and thumbs. But yeah, so um, this is the song Why We're Here by Sean Muir. And uh, let's say we'll be back after this.
back that was uh, Sean Muir why we're here um, anyway yeah I'm back to my guest the the man himself Dr William Flipkley so doc before we kick off for the next stage tell us about the flip just in, so people can know who why the flip well in high school I was a manager of the football basketball and baseball team and um, we would travel throughout the state of Virginia and outside of the state and on the bus, um, I was the comedian. <laughs> I was a comedian. And one of the football players said, man, you act like Flip Wilson. And I didn't know no, I didn't know about no Flip Wilson. And, man, we're going to call you Flip. So from that, from that, from that day on, yeah, I've been known as Flip. Every time I speak, people say I'm quite engaging, funny. And so it just stuck with me. So that's how I got the name Flip. There we go. So, Doctor William Flip Clay. That seems to yeah. start. It's quite a nice oh. ring to it. Flip. So, yeah, yeah there's I the flip. A sub chocolate Doctor Phil. Is the chocolate version of Doctor Phil? There we go. Yeah. Doctor Phil. Let's not go there. I could get to it. Right, let's carry let's carry on because <laughs> okay, that that could that could go into dangerous waters. That one, <laughs> right? Um, so I've I've lost train of thought, but yeah, we're going to go into so your book. You, when you started to unravel uh, yourself, obviously releasing becoming unconstipated to write your book. Talk about that. Um. Wow. So I think. What really triggered, um, I was just, you know, as, as a mental health professional, uh, working with the male population, I was just so tired of them seeing them so angry mm-hmm. and not understanding why they were angry and not understanding how to release the anger. And then I just thought about my life growing up and all the things that I went through and how it made me feel. And I really didn't talk about it. And then one thing that happened, two young men were killed. Um, This was three years ago. Mm -hmm. And I had to end up counseling in one week both of the young men who were with the two boys that were killed. Right. 
And that's when all this stuff, stuff like I like, okay. And talking to those, talking to both of those young men, they were they were angry at things that happened to them. Right. And and one thing I've noticed, especially when you're working with the male population, we we tend to assimilate with people who feel like we feel because we can relate to each other. Yeah. So looking at my life growing up, everything I went through, looking at all the young men I'd, I'd worked with from 2000 up until now, grown men included, mm-hmm. um, they had one thing in common. A lot of them were angry and they, they were, they were holding unfiltered emotions. And this also go for the girls too, but girls are more, Girls, when I say girls, I'm talking about women included. They're more emotional, so they they express their emotions. Now, it can be kind of overwhelming, but when we're looking at it from a male standpoint, we don't know how to express our emotions, so we hurt people that we love because we're angry. <laughs> so I decided, I said, you know what, um, after w- working with those two young boys, I said, you know what, it's time for me to share with the world how we can help individuals release, understand the importance of releasing that constipation right. or that one thing that's causing you to be stuck. Okay. So that's when I decided I needed to write this book. And I wanted the book to be very transparent, transformative, trans- transparent, transformative, because I want to bring about transformation. And you have to be honest with your own constipation and then tell the stories of individuals who are constipated, who you were able to help and their outcome once they decided to release because people want you to be real. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't want to hear nothing fake, nothing phony. They want, they want to hear, they want to read real life stories. They want, they want to know the real flip, not the doctor. They want to know my real life. They want to know, they want to know you who you are. Exactly. So I figure, okay, let me, become emotionally naked or emotionally vulnerable, transparent, tell my story, and then tell tell the stories of individuals I've worked with that everybody can relate to because everybody can see themselves in one of those stories. Mm-hmm. So after you've written this book, you're writing the book to t- offload, how did you feel? Did you feel relieved yourself? Did, were you still feeling quite... So no, I, in the process of writing the book, I, I wrote eight chapters in in thirty days. Wow, that's good going. Yeah, and then I took a break for four months because wow, it was overwhelming. Um, with my job, my speaking engagements, and just different dealing with life in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the process of re, re uh, regurgitating all that constipation. Right. Putting it on paper, it was. Um, I, I'm not gonna say traumatizing, but it was interesting because at the present time, at that present time, I was in counseling. Right. So, yeah, I, I'm. I was. I'm still going to see a counselor. Nothing major, but I was still in. I'm, I'm writing this book. Uh, I'm, I'm bringing up this unfiltered anger. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working my job and I'm doing speaking engagements. So. It, it was so I took about four months off and then I realized I said, you know what, let me go ahead and finish the book because nothing had changed as far as um, I said, how can I expect change if I don't make if I don't take the step to bring about change and to let people know it's OK to release. Um, let me share these strategies, which I've been using okay. to help other individuals release. And they've been they've been successful. 
Okay. So that's when I said, you know, let me finish this book up. So I finished four chapters in like 60 days. Cool. And then you published the book. When was the launch? I think the launch was, I did a soft launch in July. And then I came back in September and did my official launch. What year was this? Last year? Soft or? Like the, the soft launch was like, um, I had 10 or, fi 10 or 15 people. Um, I purchased some food. Um, I rented out a facility. Mm -hmm. I did a presentation and um, they gave me some feedback. Then I took that feedback to say, okay, what I want to change, what I want to modify. Mm -hmm. And then the official launch in September. Is that last year or when was this? This year. This, this oh, year. Oh, 2018, yeah. Right. I did the official launch and it's been quite interesting since the launch. That's all I can say. <laughs> uh, it's been quite, um, it, quite interesting and it's like every day is a new day um you know mm -hmm. i receive phone calls i receive email messages um so it's it's and it's, it's a lot that's about to happen with the book uh, i'm mean, and i don't want to go too much in detail but just follow, make sure you keep stay up rest because <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot of stuff about to be released <laughs> it can't it, it can't have been easy when you're doing your job but you're, you're obviously managing basketball football Okay, and you're also counselling people as well, but also knowing that you're going through your own stuff in your own head. And I mean, is there many times you've been sitting there counselling people that you're realising crumbs? <laughs> you don't know the half of it that what I'm going through as well. That you must be relating to these people quite quite a lot. But yes, just sitting that there, makes, that makes it easier from the counsellor client or the counsellor student perspective. Yeah, because they understand I've walked in their shoes. So it's nothing, most of the time when I'm working with a client or a student, there's nothing they can say to me that I haven't been through. Yeah. So it's easy. It makes it easy because I've experienced it. Mm. You know, my mom died when I was 13. I had to take care of her from the age of nine to 13. Mm. I watched my mom die. I had to, you know, I, I was there on her last day. Mm. I, I was, you know, so I've, I've dealt, I've dealt with that. I dealt with my father not being there. Yeah. I understand how that feels. I understand how you feel. Mm -hmm. I understand when you um, when you being abused at home. Mm. So I mean, even and even when I'm working with individuals outside of the school setting, a lot of them haven't dealt with their childhood um, experience, their childhood trauma. Mm. So I'm able to assist them through going back and we're talking about my trauma. Mm. Um, and then and and then I you know I, of course I came up with the with my prop, which makes it a whole lot easier. To Come explain on. the importance of releasing the trauma. When you're tell, have you got any? When you're obviously counselling, have you seen with your counselling when you're counselling the, the the guys or this their sick? Have you seen them come through to success and feeling their lives changed around? They've, they've kind of they feel new start. They've offloaded, and have you seen them kind of grow into somebody? They've gone and got jobs and they've left school and all that and they've. Have you got any success stories you can talk about? Oh yes, yes. Um, if you if you go on to the um, I I, I in night in two thousand twelve I was awarded the Marcus Foster Distinguished Educator of the Year Award. Mm -hmm. Um, it was I was awarded this this the largest African American Education Association in the United States. Gate um, I wanted the I, I they awarded me with this award. Right, and they they based it off of the work that I have been doing with 
young boys of color. Right. And the Washington Post picked up on the award and they interviewed one of my former students. Uh, matter of fact, if you go on my website, boysoffthehook.com, you can hear this student being interviewed on the Steve Harvey Morning Show right. when he was in the fourth grade. Okay. The Washington Post picked up his story um, in the 12th grade when I won this award mm -hmm. and it was interviewing him. And he was saying, if it wasn't for the work that um, being under my tutelage or me helping him, that he wouldn't be in the position where he is today. He's a college graduate. He has his own business. Um, right. And he was one of those boys that, that, you know, that everybody wanted to give up on. Mm -hmm. But because I understood how he felt, what he felt, and what he was going through, I was able to change his life. And if you go on my website, it's on, the article's on my website. Okay. Steve Harvey won an interview. When they interviewed him when he was in the fourth grade, fifth, fifth grade, and then you'll see the Washington Post uh, when they did an interview with him, which is also on my website. Okay. I'll be and there's, there's plenty more success stories. I'm just giving you one where there's documentation beat conversation. I mean, I get emails from my former students. Um, I just got one, matter of fact, last week, um, which is on my Instagram page, which is on my Facebook page. Mm -hmm. um, one of my former students reached out to me and said he's still talking. I guess he's about 30, 29 or 30. He said, he's, he says, still to this day, I still talk about the impact you had on me. And I'm sharing with my daughter how much of an impression you had on my life. And, I mean, you know, I don't know. He sent me a message on Instagram and wrote this long paragraph. So I would say, um, you know, I, I would say the strategies and, and the way I'm, the strategies I'm using is helping. It's, it's helping. And, it, and, it, and really, and color hasn't, it doesn't correlate with color. I have success stories from Caucasian boys I work with, Latino mm -hmm. boys I work with, Latino girls, white girls. It's it's across the um, it, it really doesn't just differ between male and female. It's just that because I'm a male and I understand the importance of helping us as men or as males release that frustration and how much better we feel when we release it. Okay. Well, um. Next stage, we're going to talk about the. We're going to play our song. We're going to just be shout out to some of the supporters of uh, the show. And uh, we're going to talk about the. When you started doing all your speaks. Because I know one of your. I did notice last year you did speak to inmates of a prison, didn't you? Was that something or a detention centre? I'm not sure if you did that. Um. Last year, um, let me see. Well, <laughs> well we are. It's because it's confusing. We see last year, we think it's still 2018. It was, uh, yeah. was, <laughs> I did. I did a couple speak, um, major speaking engagements. Um, I spoke to. Well, I mean, I'll, it all depends which one you're referring to. Um, so that's why I'm. Well, I think um, they were all dressed in orange. <laughs> well, okay, that event was. Um, that event took place at Dillard University. That was with, um, I belong to a fraternity called Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. With the, um, we're an American Greek black organization, but we're the only American college black Greek organization to have a chapter outside of the United States. Okay. So we're, not only we're in the United States, but we're out, we're international. Um, we have what we call our Sigma Beta Club, and the Sigma Beta Club is like a mentorship program through our fraternity. Right, okay. And they had their national Sigma Beta Club conference in New Orleans. So um, they asked me to come out and speak to um, the 200-some young men 
and I did like a two-hour session with the young men, standing room only. Um, mm. They didn't get up and leave not one time for the whole two hours. Wow, that's good. So, so you- yeah, it was powerful. Um, it, it, you know, um, it was powerful. Um, done other engagements. I think that was, um, yeah, yeah. So that was pop. That, that's the one you're talking about. They had the outfit on. Yes. Yeah, that'd yeah. be. Well, come back. We're going to our next part. We'll talk about obviously your speaking engagements. We'll talk about more about your book. We'll talk about your your gimmick and what you use, which makes it gives the whole meaning to your book, and uh, pretty much um, we'll talk in a bit more in depth about that. Okay, so we're back after one of our trusty artists uh, played a lot like near the end of last year on Hearts on Live, Ramsey Unleashed, Going Beyond Mortars, was Benita Charles, and uh, her music. Uh, I found her, I connected with her on Facebook and more through Instagram as well. Heard her sing. Reached out, kind of, this nutty Scotsman, kind of pushing them, saying, "I want to hear your music," and eventually got in contact with her and uh, sent me her music, and uh, been playing it ever since. So um, we're going to be back. Oh, I got my mouse working. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Uh, it helps if I use the desk and not paper underneath it. But yeah, anyway. So Beezy Charles never let me go, uh, featuring Impact and. Uh, so we'll be back with Dr. William Flipkley, the man who's flipping awesome. That was flipping. You hear, see what I did there? Okay, maybe not. <laughs> Try not laugh, okay? Well, bad jokes. I'll, um... <laughs> anyway, we'll be back after this uh, and a few shout-outs to some of our supporters for the show as well and we'll, uh, for the next part. Speak to you soon. Oh 
Unsung Live Radio, where music speaks. You're listening to Edinburgh, Scotland's must-listen-to podcast on heartsonglive.co.uk, your inspirational station. Welcome back to Rams and East Going Beyond Borders uh, with my guest Dr. William Clay. So to shout out to some of our supporters and sponsors and things, kingdombeads.com uh, by Ephia Lethem, who sponsors our show. If you want to purchase any of her beads, if you go to kingdombeads.com, you'll get 10%, um, which will help towards the show of any purchase, which is a great just to support what we do. And uh, so if you like your semi-precious gems, he does male, females and kids and bracelets and necklaces that you can go and check out our website. Uh, so people who've always supported me through time of live streaming and all that is Eileen Smith from EileenSmith.com, Cook from the Guy Cook Report. Uh, good, uh, he does a regular podcast, um, Ideas Go Live, Guy John Drummond, local web designer in Edinburgh, Scotland. And myself, if you want to get some cleaning done, edinburghdusters.com or .co.uk. Uh, go to either and you'll get me and you do carpet cleaning as well if you want some services. But um, but yeah, so I want to say thanks to all the people who do support us going forward. Shannon Griffin for Humanities, uh, who does t-shirts and stuff like that. So she's in California, Eileen's in Philadelphia, guys in uh, Walla Walla, out by uh, your Seattle area. So uh and John's in Edinburgh, so lots and lots of people. And as I say, if you're looking for a uh, to sponsor the show or want to come on board or help you out, love to be able to support each other. Give us a shout; we'll sort you out. But uh, yeah, so back to my guest, the the man, the doctor in the house, as Bon Jovi would say. But uh, yeah, so let's uh, talk about your uh, book. You've you've got your um, your gimmick. That's where we are. So let's talk about that going forward. Um, oh, I like that song too. I, that song just had me thinking. Anyway, <laughs> it's a good song. She's really good. She's in New York. Yeah, yeah. Benita Charles, all the way from New York. She's part of the network. Yeah, that was that was that was. Song had me thinking. Anyway, <laughs> um, that's the song that took me off. I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling this, I'm, 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 and I'm listening to the words, and I'm like, whoa, this is deep. Yeah, um, she's so, good. She's <laughs> good. Yeah, she is good. I want. I had to sit back and. Anyway, that's another. She got me thinking. Um, no, so the gimmick, the toilet. Um, I decided to use the toilet after realizing that when, okay, so I came up with I came up with a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, when you when you go when you go see a doctor or a psychiatrist. They use a book called the DSM-4, Diagnostic Statistical Manual. And they look through this book, to, and a book might say, because you're acting a certain way, you might have this disorder. Right. So let's say you're bipolar. So okay. you have these characteristics. Um, so what I was finding, I said, there's nothing that really, I, c- I can't find anything to help my boys out. Mm-hmm. Because they're saying this, but this is not what's going on. They saying this, but this is not what's really wrong. And they saying they have this, but this is not the issue. The issue, they're angry. They've been through something, and they don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. So I came up with, with my own non, non-diagnostic disorder, which means that if you go into a medical book, you will not see it. Mm-hmm. So if you go to the doctor and you, tell him, and you tell him you're suffering from emotional, psychological incarceration, he won't know what the hell you're talking about because it's not <laughs> the medical book. So I call 
emotional, psychological incarceration. And there's three stages. Okay. The first stage is emotional constipation, mm-hmm. which occurs from birth to the age of 14. If you don't address the emotional constipation, your emotions become incarcerated from the age 14 into adulthood. Mm-hmm. If you don't address the emotional incarceration, you usually go out here and do something stupid and become physically incarcerated. Mm-hmm. So when we start looking at African-American males and the large percentage of them in prison in the United States, there's a correlation between the constipation, the incarceration, and childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. Because as males in general, we are not taught to express our emotions. So as a child, if, I, if I'm experiencing trauma and I don't talk about it, my emotions become constipated. If I don't address the constipation, my emotions become incarcerated. Then I go out here and do something stupid and become physically incarcerated. Or I can re- you, a man can still remain emotionally incarcerated and be successful. Mm-hmm. He just can't become the man that he wants to become because he's never released the one thing he know is causing him to be incarcerated. Okay. It's that it's that dirty little secret that happened to me as a child or happened to me in my adulthood that I don't talk about that causes me emotional pain. Okay. And I came up with the toilet because that was the only way I that was one of the best ways I could that was one of the best techniques I could get young boys, especially young boys of color, to understand the importance of releasing that, that, that you know what, out, you got to get it out. Mm-hmm. So when you sit on the toilet to drop that load, you know it feel good when it come out, correct? <laughs> I mean, it does, yes. Yeah, I mean, and sometimes you got to strain a little bit. You got to sweat. If it's a good one, it's a good sweat might come out. Um, you know, but you feel good when you let it out. Very I true. mean, it's it's the best feeling in the world. <laughs> it certainly offloads a few pounds. Yeah, you're going to lose a few pounds and, and it's healthier. You feel good as a person when you drop a good load. <laughs> oh. That's without, and that's without laxatives. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being transparent because I'm just keeping it keeping it real. I know. So, <laughs> you sit when you sit on that toilet and you and a good one come out, you feel better. Exactly. Yeah. So at the end of the day, this is how I present it to the young people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what's that one childhood trauma that you know causes you to? causes it causes you to feel uncomfortable that you never talked about but you know if you sit if you if you release it you're gonna feel better mm-hmm. i mean i have a i have a video on youtube i actually shot where i went into a bathroom on a college campus and i go through the whole process <laughs> it's very funny it, it, it got about 1500 views 16 mm-hmm. i can't remember how many views, but i go through the whole process and it's funny at first but then it's when you get to the part about flushing divorce down the toilet Mm-hmm. Flushing molestation, incest, rape, mad at my father, mad mm-hmm. at my mother. We need to flush those things on the toilet and release it and get it out. Mm-hmm. And then I spray the air freshener. And, and I, then I said, how do you feel? And then you've gotten it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a presentation at a high school and a little girl came up to me afterward watching the video. And she said, thank you. Okay. And I said, why? 
She said, now I understand what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of, uh, 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 you can't argue with the concept behind what I just explained. Exactly, yeah. You, it's, it's not even, a, you can't even argue with it. Regardless of your age, every child know when you got to drop, when you got to go to the bathroom, mm-hmm. you go sit on the toilet to get it out. Okay, that's that's just normal. You That's something you know you have to do in America. In other countries, they might not have a toilet. I don't know what they have, but anyway. Um, <laughs> so, and you know when it releases, you're going to feel better. Mm-hmm. So correlate that with emotional waste. Yeah. Because emotional waste causes dis-ease. And dis-ease causes disease. So the only way you get dis-ease out your body and disease out your body is to release it. So we have to, re- you, you can't continue to be, to, 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 you can't become the person you want to become. And you can't become the man or woman God wants you to become if you're emotionally constipated. Or you emotionally incarcerate, okay? Because you're, you're not, you haven't, you haven't released, and you know when you release, you're gonna feel better. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the challenge that I have now. When I do my presentations, and I'm traveling the country, and I'm standing in front of two or three hundred people, and I'm breaking this concept down. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, they, the people come up to me afterwards, and they blown. It's 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 mind blowing, but it's practical and it's simple, and it makes sense. You can't even argue with the concept. I mean, you know, release. What's um, yeah. what's folks' reactions when you feeling when you're when you're just about to sit? You're setting up. People arrive in the room, whatever you're speaking at, and they see a toilet. And what's your general? Oh, yeah. oh my gosh! You just <laughs> the, the first what what the I can't tell you what they say. <laughs> You know why does he have this toilet here? What what's what's the purpose? Why and and, and all the attention is off of me and it's on the toilet. <laughs> they want to know why did this man have a toilet mm-hmm. in, in in this room? I'm, I spoke at I've done three churches. I did, I did the presentation at three different church. Let me see, three different churches. And, and 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 it's it's it's, it's mind boggling. Mm-hmm. But once I finish the presentation, they get it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's you should see the people. I I mean, it's it's you should see the response, and I love it. Oh, I just love it because I usually have it covered up. Are you so they don't, just before I uh, say, are you a faith based person? Um, I was a faith based person, okay. and I talk about that in chapter four of my book. The day I divorced religion. Right. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I stepped away from the church. Okay. Per se, and um, it was it was because of things that happened growing up. Um, I when I was writing the book, I thought about the story when one of the um, deacons from my church tried to kidnap me and throw me in a van when I was ten. Mm. And I never told my grandmother because my grandmother loved the church. Right. Okay. And she would never believe that the deacon would do nothing like that. Um. I had not, I talk about another story where I was scammed out of ten thousand dollars by somebody who was in the church. Mm. Um, I talk about as a mental health professional the condition of black people, and and all this played a role in me stepping away from the church. Okay. I did not step away from my relationship with God. Okay. I just stepped away from the church, mm-hmm. and and so. I grew up a Christian. Um, okay. I'm, everybody in my family were Christians. 
but Christianity taught me to hate other people. Right. And as a mental health professional, number one, I can't operate in my gift if I'm hating somebody because of their belief, because of religion. Right. You know, religion taught me things that I know was not true. So, you know, I'm looking at everything I went through growing up, some of the stuff that happened to me currently, and I realized I needed to step away from religion. Not step away from God, but step away from religion and get back to knowing God for myself. Mm-hmm. Before I had religion, I was a spiritual person, and when you're spiritual, you have a direct color, a decorate, you have a direct relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Religion, religion taught me to put parameters around my relationship with yeah. people and with God. Exactly. So I had to divorce it in order for me to become who God wanted me to become. And for me, even when I was writing this book, mm-hmm. I had to write the book, and I had to name that title. The day I divorced religion, because it was put keeping me in a box. I mean, I've, I've worked with clients who are Muslims, okay, but I didn't care they were a Muslim. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm looking at it from the human experience. Yeah, I have answers to help you. I can't look at you because you don't believe what I believe. Mm-hmm. And that's what religion taught me. Religion taught me to not like somebody because of what they believe. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't raised that way. So, I had to step away, and that's the what. That's when I divorced it, and I went back to being a spiritual person, being a spiritual being, having a spiritual experience, and 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 it's been fulfilling. I still go to church. Mm-hmm. I have no problem going to church. I have no problem believing in God. So, you can't do this work and not have a relationship with the Creator. There's mm-hmm. no possible way you can sit there and work with young girls and grown women and, and help them through molestation, incest, and rape mm-hmm. and not have a relationship with God. And I'm talking five to ten times a month where I got to go through this process of helping young girls who've been molested and raped and then dealing with the parents of the individuals and then dealing with the extended family members. And taking all of this in and not have a relationship with a higher being. There's no way you can do it. You can't do it. Because when, you hear, when you're constantly hearing these stories, mm. you need, you need a, a, another entity to keep you focused and guided on your purpose. You were saying you still see a counselor yourself, even though you're, as you work, to keep your... Yeah, yeah, I, I was just dealing with some... Um, issue with another individual and I just felt like I needed to go and and the counselor helped me to deal with the counselors need to see counselors too mm-hmm. you know we're not perfect I mean how can I how can I help other people if I'm, not, if I'm not willing to say I need to go see a counselor for something I'm dealing with then I'm a hypocrite yeah so I can't tell you to you know seek some additional help to help you deal with your issues if I'm not willing to do the same thing. See, I have no problem saying that because I'm transparent. Yeah. I'm very transparent because if, if I'm transparent, that means individuals I work with will be transparent. Yeah. And it makes a life a whole lot easier. And I'm human. Exactly. Right, I'm human. Uh, I feel that we could have a part two interview going forward because I think there's so much more that you could talk about. And oh then, yeah! Oh, oh, most definitely. I can. Um, we didn't even get into the um, 
Yeah, we didn't get into half of. <laughs> well, exactly. I think there's a lot more we could. I think I'd like to book you again, going uh, just to have a part two because I think we could have a part two. Um, because if I, I don't want because last person I had a long interview with was one of my guests, Ephia Lethem, who does who sponsors the show. And we talked about an hour and forty minutes, and we kind of went well and truly over time. And kind of whoever was on next on the next show, uh, was well that didn't quite happen. So, um, I kind of yeah, I wouldn't have a part two here because I think there's a lot more we can talk about. I think it'd be really grab people's attentions, and we can go into a lot more detail. Because I think this is really interesting and in how you're what you who you're dealing with, uh, the people. And yeah, we yeah. could talk. We could we could we could focus more on the case studies. Yeah, uh, um, I could share with you some of the details of the case studies, mm. some of the details of um, how those case studies impacted me. Yeah, and how they affected me even till today. Um, the success of the case studies. Mm -hmm. um, why it's important that we have these conversations. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's important that, you know, it's okay for us, uh, yeah, I think, the, yeah, yeah, we can do part two, sure. Yeah, exactly, there's a lot more we could talk about, because you think, really quite, it's really interesting how, just time is uh, obviously getting against us, um, but before we, what do you tell people where they can connect with you, and where they can find you, if they, after, for those who have been maybe listening to this, or listening to the podcast, where they can, um, Obviously, they want to connect with you. Maybe actually have a chat with you and talk about stuff that they need to offload, or sure. as I say, become unconstipated. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, they, if you go to boysoffthehook.com, that has all the link to my social media site. You still there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, here. Uh, yeah, boysoffthehook.com. You can find me on Facebook at William Flip Clay. I mean, Doctor William Flip Clay. You can find me on Instagram, dr underscore flip 07. I'm on Twitter, Dr. Flip. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Dr. William Flip Clay. Um, I'm on Instagram. So, yeah, if you just go to boysoffthehook.com, mm -hmm. um, that has all my links. You can go to constipatedman.com, which talks a little bit more in depth about the book. Some of them, um, celebrity, um, um, some of my celebrity friends mm -hmm. that I've done presentations with that I'm, that's on constipatedman.com, boysoffthehook.com, reach out to me. The book is on amazon.com, the book is on my website, boysoffthehook.com, and I'm looking forward to doing part two yeah. where we can get into details and some, um, and, and, you know, talk about strategies, techniques, and mm -hmm. talk about success of, um, helping people through this constipation and what it looks like once you become unconstipated. Yeah, because it's really... I, I think that's what, the, you know... Okay. Yeah. I think the case studies would be really interesting to hear and I think a lot of people who listen to the case studies hopefully will be able to relate to them. Oh, yeah. The case studies are, the case studies are off the chain. I must yeah. say. Um, and, and what makes it so interesting, you know, I changed the names of the individuals, of course, for privacy reasons, but these are real-life stories mm -hmm. and how I... How they impacted me it, it is a whole nother conversation. Um, yeah, and one particular case study in particular really um, mm -hmm. brought me to tears, I would say. Um, okay. And it really touched my heart. And even to this day, I promised this one particular person that I would share her story. 
Okay. Every time I was given the platform, and I've watched it how it's changed people's lives hearing her story. So yes, we can do the part two. Well, Let's. And they definitely want to hear that story. Right. I won't go too detailed because they don't want they wouldn't want to get the book. But I get them enough where they like, whoa! I'm gonna get the book. <laughs> um, would you ever ever consider traveling, taking yourself outside of the USA? Oh, of course. I mean, I've I've, I've been blessed to speak um, internationally twice. So, um, of course, I want to expand my borders. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, um, the present the presentation is so captivating and compelling. Uh, it's because I'm very yes. I have yes. I've definitely thought about it. Um, yeah, I want. I definitely yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Op- the to that. the tour the. The UK tour, the Flip Clay UK tour, severely constipated. Severely constipated. <laughs> you talking about the, the constipated, the, the constipated, <laughs> <laughs> the constipated man UK tour? The con- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that would be quite inter- That would be interesting. Yes. How, how, how the UK will respond to uh, a toilet? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> In a presentation, how would they? Uh, I, I could, I'm sure I could find me a toilet in the UK to purchase plenty, for the presentation. Plenty of toilets, <laughs> plenty. So, <laughs> but no, it's um, yeah, um, I have some things pending right now. Um, two, 2019 is going to be quite interesting. Um, okay, the next 60 days is going to be quite interesting. I have a lot of things that I'm about to um, that's about to be released. <laughs> no, no pun, in, like, no whoa, pun, in, no, like, no, no, no pun intended. Then, <laughs> right? No pun, but it's um, no, but no. I'm looking forward to the next sixty, next thirty to sixty, ninety days. Um, okay, that'll be good. Yeah. Well, would you consider coming to Scotland? Of course, I man, listen. I mm. love what I do. Mm-hmm. All but, jokes aside, no. I mean, I would love to travel abroad and, and spread this message. Um, you know, so my focus, wherever God send me, that's where I'm going. Okay. Uh, I think it's a message that needs to be shared in it. And see, what I, one thing I like about this message, it, 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 it doesn't correlate with color or race. True. So it's a human issue. Yeah. That needs to be addressed. We have to release this frustration, this anger, this constipation. We have to know it's okay to release it. And and, and and it doesn't make a difference what color you are, how tall you are, how short you are. Mm-hmm. You're going to sit on the toilet every day, and you're going to get some emotion. You're going to get the physical waste out of you. Yeah. So it's time not only to get the physical waste, but let's get the emotional waste out. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's what it boils down to. It, it, I, I mean, I can go to India, mm-hmm. and they're they going to get it. It might take a little more work, but you know, <laughs> they'll get it. Because you just... <laughs> It's not just a curry. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 it's, a, it's just an innovative way of letting people know it's okay to let this go. Yeah, which is good. A fun, a fun, practical way which makes sense. It's okay for me to release this. That's mm-hmm. all. And right. so, I'm in the process of putting parameters and putting things in place because of, when I do a lot of sessions with men, they want to do a follow up. So I'm in the process <laughs> setting up a um. Too many, um, euf- uh, too many euphemisms in there. <laughs> too many. <laughs> no, no, no. You, well, you know what I mean. I know, I know, I know what you mean. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to just crap the love of your yeah. shit. <laughs> um, 
in the process of putting um putting yeah. a program in place so I can work with individuals who want to yeah continue to release. Now we're gonna we're gonna um, stop it there now because we are over time slightly. Okay. We're gonna um, we are gonna come back with a part two later. Okay. Uh, in the beginning soon. I don't want to leave it too late, but part two will be good. And I want to say thank you to Dr. William Flipperclay for being on the show. Um, we're going to a quick word from our sponsors, and we will call it uh, call it a night. And I want to say thank you. I want to wish everyone a happy new year going forward. May twenty nineteen be a great year for you. Whatever you're doing, whatever you plans have planned, don't procrastinate. Don't build stuff up. Don't release your goals, so to speak. <laughs> don't let them build up and be constipated um, re- release your talents don't don't be don't say you're going to do something and not do it uh, and keep saying oh yeah I'm going to do it I'm going to do it but no you don't if not you'll before you know it you'll be sitting here December 2019 and you'll be realising mm, I didn't do it so if you need a release if you want to offload or want to reach out to somebody, maybe you want to start that year on the right foot, reach out to William and uh, he will be able to hopefully direct you in the right way and help you feel, you know, set 2019 off in the right way and not in, in feeling emotionally clogged up like you have been from 2018. But there will be a 2019 and we look forward to the part two of this, looking forward to hearing the case studies of powerful stories and how what he's heard and etc etc. So, let's uh, say good goodbye to everybody, and uh, we will catch up with you next week. And thanks to Dr. William Flipley, and we will be back, and we'll see you next week. Speak to you soon. Bye bye. Hi, this is Afia Letha from KingdomBeats.com. Proud to be a sponsor of Ramsey Unleashed, going beyond borders on HeartSongLive.co.uk.